0: Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges, and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today, we are joined by Serena Koivarinta, product lead at Kaplan Systems. Kaplan Systems has been providing advanced web trading technology to the global financial markets for over a decade now. And Serena leads the FX product development cycle, research initiatives, manages a cross-functional team, and supports their pre-sales teams in their conversations with top tier and regional banks. Prior to that, she was a consultant at Deloitte Digital, focusing on bringing large companies into the digital era by building out online platforms and changing their culture. Today, she is here to share her story and her learns along the way. So welcome, Serena, great to have you. Thanks, Nadia,
1: nice to be here.
0: (laughs) So I'm really pleased that you're here and I'd love to hear from you about your role at Kaplan and actually what it entails day-to-day, because that intro will definitely not have done it justice.
1: (laughs) Sure. Well, so the boring sentence is, I manage a portfolio of FX trading products aimed at various user segments. Most people will label that as a product portfolio manager, uh, which means I set the roadmap for products. I prioritise the backlog. I work with the development team so they understand why and, and how we need to do something. But I also head up our user research initiative, basically aimed at embedding more data and insights into our product prioritization process. We have a lot of experienced, very good people at Kaplan, but you shouldn't be basing your decisions based on a hunch or a hypothesis. You should be basing it based on real data, in my opinion. So we're trying to do a bit more of that now, uh, talking more to existing customers, trying to reach out to the market in general, and so on. Yeah, and as you mentioned, on top of that, I'm involved in uh, the account management and pre-sales process a lot. Um, I represent the product in all of those types of conversations, speaking to customers around what we're doing for our products, what our roadmap looks like, demoing to potential new customers, responding to RFPs, running workshops. But essentially what all of that means is I just sit in a lot of meetings and I talk a lot. Uh, (laughs) So yeah. (laughs)
0: I talk a lot about a lot of different things that brings it all together. And I love that data aspect because actually I'm, I'm an evidence type person. I like to know the evidence before I make decisions. That really makes sense the way that you've explained that. Now, what about Kaplan? Like, what actually attracted you to the business?
1: Good question. Yeah. So like, as you mentioned, I came from a consultancy before where it is great. You get to be involved in so many different things but you never really feel that sense of ownership. You're kind of there for a fleeting moment, and then you've done your part. And it's like, I wonder what happened to that product? I wonder if it's still going. So I kind of wanted to move into a product company where I could feel that sense of ownership of something and be in charge of the end-to-end process, see both the failures and the successes, and kind of learn from that. I also like the fact that Kaplan was a relatively small company, especially compared to Deloitte. (laughs) And it also had an international reach, so... Both benefits in my opinion Mm.
0: and i definitely relate to that like wanting to see the labors of your hard work how it comes to fruition it's quite a self-fulfilling thing so i really appreciate that now Thinking about this career journey of yours, you know, Deloitte Digital, uh, Kaplan, I'd love to hear a bit more about that journey. And I know that our audience loves to just understand like where did it start? How did you get to where you are today? Also, one of my favorite questions is around lessons, like lessons that you've learned. Because I always think that like, looking back, those lessons are things that, you know, you can't make up. They're things that you lived through that will really help others when they hear it. So it'd be great to hear a bit more about that.
1: Yeah, it's actually something I've been thinking about for a while, because a lot of the time when we talk about women in in fintech or technology careers in general, we talk about how the fact that we should try to get more women into STEM to begin with, etc. But I came from a business and marketing background, and I think we shouldn't neglect the fact that people coming from these types of areas as well could do a great job in technology as well. So I started my career essentially thinking I was going to become a marketeer or work in an ad agency. And I worked at BMW in their dealer marketing department after my marketing undergrad. And then I did a master's in management. And from there, I ended up at Deloitte Digital, which was amazing because I got to be involved in so many different things, so many different types of projects. Like you wear about 10 hats in a single day on a single project when you're in a consultancy. And I love that part because you get to learn so much in such a short period of time. I would do things like be a business analyst and a scrum master at the same time. I would project manage something. I would build a whole new transactional online portal for some clients. But then I would also lead a regulatory reporting work stream or deliver a whole new content management system. And this is for different types of clients, like insurance clients, like pension funds, wealth management companies, and so on. So that was really enjoyable. But like I said, obviously, then I wanted to feel that sense of ownership. So I went to Kaplan. In terms of lessons, I mean, again, consulting was great for learning the fact that, you know, you don't need to be the smartest. You just need to kind of be personable and people need to like you. Of course, you need to do a good job. But in the end, the opportunities you get, the promotions you get, anything like that comes down to a bit of help from my friends. It does come down to the network you've made. People, have to fight for you, people have to want to work with you, and being the smartest person in the room isn't always the best thing because people don't want to seem stupid or they don't want to sit around uh, all the time with someone who they don't like. And I think that's quite a daunting realization, especially in male-dominated industries like tech and financial services, where you come in and it's like, I have nothing in common with these people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like men talking about sports and you're like, I don't know anything about rugby.
0: (laughs) Oh, I've been there.
1: (laughs) But the important thing is you can always find something in common, in my opinion, or you can just make it personal to someone in terms of just being helpful to them. If someone needs you in some way or another, or you make their life easier, then they like you. Yeah. (laughs) So it doesn't have to be about like being one of the lads, but having that personal angle to, it to things really is important. And like I said, in consulting, that becomes very evident because you're away Monday to Thursday, your whole life, 70% of your week is about work because you're having dinner with colleagues, you're having drinks with colleagues, you're going to the gym with colleagues, you have breakfast with colleagues. So you mm. are like indoctrinated into work and it becomes hard to switch off a bit. So... It was fun for a long time and then something happened in my life and I just kind of woke up and I was like, I need a better balance. I felt like if I lose my job, I'm going to have nothing else in my life. And that's quite Mm -hmm. a scary place to be. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't want to feel like your work is your life. So I've come to a place now where work-life balance, as much as people say it and and it becomes a bit of a, a thing, it really is so important because not only do you need to have the balance for yourself and feel like you're going to be okay, you know, even if you lost your job or anything else, which for many people have, has been a reality, especially this last year. Mm. Uh, you also need to have a balance at work because if you're constantly just stressing yourself out, then you don't have capacity to be a good team member. You don't have capacity to talk to people uh, and make friends, build that network.
0: Yeah, that's really, really thought-provoking, what you're saying there, because I think there's a load of themes that you're covering. You know, we talk a lot on this series about how important networking is to being promoted. And I love the way that you've spoken about the opportunities you get to network and, and actually to encourage people to fight for you and to want to work for you. And that's very much down to building those you know, relationships. Also, what I think is really interesting is, you left consulting to join the fintech community for work-life balance which please can everyone just just take note of that because the perception that I'm trying to demystify across fintech is you know the sort of 10 years ago financial technology environments which still exist I won't deny it but this is a perfect example of you genuinely saying this is about It's about me making better choices for my life, which will therefore make better choices for my work life as well, which is really refreshing to hear. And I think opens up so nicely our next question, because we've spoken before about how people often strive for perfection without valuing the great successes that they've achieved along the way. And I just wanted you to share what you were telling me before about this, because I think it's really pertinent, especially right now.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of related to the, the balance point again. I think it's, it's not just about having the work-life balance, like outside of work. It's also having that balance in your work. So prioritizing stuff you're doing and understanding that like perfection is unattainable. You need to make mistakes to learn and be better and improve. If you're constantly perfect in someone's eyes, then you're in the wrong place because you're not going to learn if you're always the best and never making mistakes, then you're never going to grow. So it's, yeah, it's 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 about having that balance as well and, and taking the opportunities to fail a bit and learn from people, taking that balance into your work as well, so that you can do a good job, but you can also be a good person, which I kind of touched on before, where it's being a good team member. I personally, I find myself... If I'm flustered and I can tell if I'm, if I'm feeling stressed out because I have just way too much on my plate, I go into a team meeting where it's my role to explain why we're doing something, the importance of it. I don't take enough time if I'm feeling flustered and stressed out. I don't take that time to explain to people. And that's really bad because if I don't take that time, that means the people who need to do the work don't understand it. And if they don't understand it, they're not going to care. So it really is taking the time to really be in the right headspace as well at work so that you can do things right and have that mental capacity. Like if I'm doing a workshop from three to four and then doing a demo from four to five, I'm not going to be at my best in the demo because I'm going to be flustered. I haven't had a break. Maybe I just need to go pee. (laughs) I just need water, anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or just that that 30 seconds in between them just to stand up from your desk and just realize I'm
1: moving into something new yeah yeah and get that headspace get yourself into that headspace because if I'm thinking about the wrong thing I'm going to be saying the wrong thing and I'm not going to be presenting Kaplan in the best way that I can I'm trying to take more breaks for example to meditate in between things or just take a moment to shut my eyes or just breathe go for a walk I mean everyone should be doing that already they haven't learned that during this year but (laughs) yeah it is really important because otherwise you can't be your best self, I don't think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So with regards to this, like, um, I know that you're really passionate about mental health at work and uh, and balancing all aspects of your life. What do you think is the best way of achieving this balance? I know you've mentioned going for a walk, taking a couple of breaths. Are there
1: any other things that people should be doing? Yeah. Just learning to say no to things as well and prioritizing stuff. I mean, I'm lucky that my job is basically prioritizing things. So it comes very easily and naturally for me to be like, nope, that's not important or no, I'm not going to do that now or I'll do that in a week or something. I block time in my diary to have these breaks as well. So I make sure that I have a a lunch break. And if, you know, I had to work over lunch, then I make sure I take a, a bit of a break in the afternoon instead or always make sure that I have that time as well for myself but also prioritize things like not everything has to be done immediately. Not everything is as important just because it comes up now. There's kind of managing your own mental space, managing your own time, but also making people aware of what to expect and when to expect things. I recently got a Garmin watch and it has something called a body battery. It measures like your heart rate variations, but essentially what it gives you is a percentage out of a hundred of how much body battery you have left. And I'm finding that very useful because as I am feeling stressed or something, I can see how I'm getting drained and I don't have energy for things. And if I take a break, it charges my body battery. And that's a very good analogy, I think, because you need to have body battery to do your job. So you need to take that time to rest and you need to take that time to just have a breather, look outside the window or something so as to charge your body battery. It's like a phone. Mm.
0: Yeah, and I love that. I love that example because uh, it, it makes me think about me and in terms of like how much sleep I get and what breaks I have between meetings. And often I can actually be quite lazy with myself, I'm, like really proactive for the job, but lazy with myself so that it's just one meeting after another without a break and suddenly you're five hours in and you haven't really looked after yourself the way that you should do so I I really love that body battery and I think the things that you're talking about you know most people will will mention work-life balance it's something that is spoken about a lot but what you're talking about here is balance at work to be able to be as productive as possible, which is great. And, you know, this podcast series is about how we can create better environments for us all to be working in. And all, I mean, by inclusion and including everybody and ensuring that environments support everybody. And so my last question to you, and it's one of my favourite ones that I love to ask, is what would your calls to action be with regards to, what all of us should be doing more of for genuine, authentic workplace inclusion?
1: Yeah, it's a very big question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so much I would say, but I would say if if anything, I mean, people need to appreciate and understand other people's mental space and the fact that they might need to say no and prioritize work. So like, if everyone understands like the software develop, uh, development methodologies like Kanban or just in time, etc., then you can appreciate when someone's like, no, if I take this on, then something else needs to give. And if everyone understands that, then, you know, it'll be much easier for people as well to say no or to say, I'll get this done in a month instead of right now but also just leading by example. I feel like if you're going to talk about people having a good work-life balance and, you know, you not wanting people to burn out, etc., you need to be leading by example and be doing the same things you're saying. So like, don't be messaging people at midnight. Don't give people shit if they're taking a walk or if they need to take a lunch break, don't be booking stuff over lunch. If you're going to talk about this, like walk the talk, lead by example actually do it yourself like if you're saying that your working hours end at 6 or five thirty or whatever you should also be logging off you're also a person everyone yeah. should be doing it. it's not just to say oh the the employees are doing it they should be doing it but then you're staying up working late because of course then everyone else is going to stay up working late mm. um, the ceo is sitting there no one's going to feel like oh yeah but i can leave So yeah, it's just leading by example. Everyone needs that space. We're not like, it's not the young or the old or whatever who needs space and time for our life and to clear the mental chatter. It's everyone, literally everyone needs it. So everyone should be doing it.
0: Amazing, amazing. And I love that you've used the phrase walk the talk. And you said everyone, everyone, everyone should be doing it because that is what inclusion is about. It's about including everybody. So I have so much time for everything that you've been saying. And before we started recording, just for everyone listening, I did say this is a really perfect theme for us to be talking about today for me. And I absolutely pledge that I'm going to be taking on the advice that you've shared today to ensure that I've got better mental headspace and and better balance. So I really appreciate you sharing all of your thoughts, your lessons, and your experiences with us. And I hope everyone listening takes on some of this, takes that mental space, ensures that you are a better person at home and at work because you're giving yourself the chance to be. So Serena, thank you so much for joining us on the Women of Fintech podcast series.
1: Thank you, Nadia.